Welcome to the next episode of Exponential Wisdom. This is Peter Diamandis, and I'm here with my partner, my coach, my friend, Dan Sullivan. Dan, good morning to you, my friend. How are you doing? Well, it's afternoon here, actually, but I'm doing really, really well. You know, that's what the East Coast, West Coast difference does once in a while. Yeah, we really, really improved during COVID. We took a jump that I don't know when we would have taken that jump if things had been normal. So our virtual program now is going all over the world. So I'm, I'm feeling very, very good. Yeah, well, you know, it's interesting. During periods of hardship, during periods that some people consider disasters for an entrepreneur, it's a change to pivot and to reinvent your business model. And it's during the time when extraordinary companies are born. And we actually did a, an episode recently on that very subject. The topic I'd love to discuss with you today is an area that I'm spending a lot of time thinking about, which is what I would call you know, the meta trends. What are the trends that are driving society, humanity, being driven by exponential technologies that are forces that are accelerating and aren't going to change? They are definitive. They are happening over the next decade. And if you want to ignore them, you can't. They're sort of trade winds that if you align with them and get into your back, it's going to be very beneficial for you as an entrepreneur. If you don't realize they're coming and you ignore them, you're going to lose out. And so there's actually a list of 20. I'm not going to go through those all, but I'd love to talk with you about a few of them, mm -hmm. share some of the data and get your input on it and how you see them. Does that sound good? Yeah, it's great. Yeah, I'm, you know, I'm a sucker for this sort of thing. You know, <laughs> I've got a little story after you've talked about two or three of them of why I'm a coach today is because of a single mega trend. So anyway, we'll talk about okay. that later. All right. Let me tee up the three that we might talk about here. There's you know, a bunch more. But the first one I want to speak about, of course, everybody needs to understand is artificial intelligence, what AI is, where it's going, how rapidly it's pervasively invading every aspect of our lives. The second thing is global connectivity, is that we're connecting billions of people at gigabit connection speeds, and what does that mean? The third one along these lines I call the trillion sensor economy, that we have sensors embedded everywhere, and we're heading towards a world where you can know anything you want, anytime you want, anywhere you want, and what does that mean? And then if we have time, we can talk about age reversal, we can talk about the metaverse and Web3 and all those things. But let's start with AI. So artificial intelligence is something that I don't think anybody listening to this podcast hasn't thought about or heard about. And you know, AI is an idea that's been around for 50, 60 years. It was first talked about in the 50s, late 50s. And it's just now, in the last five years, really become extraordinarily powerful. And there's two reasons for that. The first is the amount of computation that AI scientists can throw at it from cloud computing is unparalleled anytime ever in human history. And the second is the amount of data out there, labeled data, like images of cats or people or stop signs, whatever the case might be, that these AIs can learn from is extraordinary. And so I'll mention two quotes and then turn it over to you. You know, Sundar, the CEO of Google, says, you know, AI is going to be more important than electricity and fire for humanity. Mm -hmm. And I agree with him. The way I think about it is by the end of this decade, by 2030, there are going to be two kinds of companies in the world. 
those that are fully utilizing AI everywhere all the time and those that are out of business. I think it's going to be that black and white. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, I think the thing that I was so struck by because I was a guest of yours on your longevity age reversal trip last August in Boston, New York. In a couple of weeks, two or three weeks, we'll be joining you in San Francisco. Yes, we have our 2022. For longevity, the Bay Area generally, the Silicon Valley, and then also San Diego. And these are the hotspots for regenerative medicine on the planet. And the thing that I was most struck with, because I got this beat into my head because you give a quiz at the end of every day, you know. (laughs) And uh, I said, geez, can I just enjoy my drink? (laughs) How long does this go into the dark hours, you know? (laughs) But the one thing that really came across was AI applied to laboratory testing that in the time before AI, you could do one manual test. You could do 10,000 different tests. And that's why all of a sudden this regenerative medicine has taken off. Like, I think it's the hottest emotional megatrend over the next 50 years. Don't hijack our conversation about age reversal, which we'll have in its fullness. But yeah, AI applied to health tech and age reversal, all of that. But that's every other kind of scientific testing. I mean, it's not just this one. Yes. Yes. This one I'm particularly interested in because... Gravity wants me. <laughs> it wants us all. It wants us all. I mean, what's interesting is, you know, we were on a conversation with Gord on your team, and he was looking for some specific talent, some individuals to help with SEO search. And in the epic book of Dan Sullivan, Who Not How, you know, sometimes our who's can be AIs now. Well, and we all do this every day. We're not conscious of it. Our cell phone, you know, our computer. I mean, we have Salesforce. We've just completed basically 10 years of switching every single thing in our company over to Salesforce. They have an AI program. So anything, any problem you'd like us to think about, we'll just put it through our AI program. Yeah, it's called Einstein. Yeah, Einstein. Yeah, yeah. Mark Benioff's a friend and... So one of the big questions people ask is, when will AI reach human-level intelligence? And will it reach human-level intelligence? Mm -hmm. You know, Ray Kurzweil, who's my co-founder of Singular University, he will have Ray on our stage this year at Abundance 360 in March of 23. And Ray's had a prediction that he's held to for the last 20 years that we're going to reach human-level AI by 2029. Mm -hmm. Very specific. Now, if you Google... Ray Kurzweil's predictions, he's got an 86% accuracy rate. Mm -hmm. And what's interesting is I was like, are you sure, Ray? Are you really sure? And the breakthroughs that have occurred over the last 10, 12 months have increased, in my mind, the probability that we'll have human-level AI. We've seen out of DeepMind and out of OpenAI, NVIDIA, Microsoft, uh, incredible progress on these six systems. And there's a program called Gato, G-A-T-O, out of DeepMind from Google, that the creators said, this is it. This is the algorithm, the structure that's going to lead to human-level capability. It's just a matter of when. And then I saw Elon, who's been in the news a lot, put out a tweet that his belief is we'll reach human-level AI by the end of this decade. Mm -hmm. So one of the questions becomes, what happens if, in fact, you do have human-level AI available, 
for the cost of electricity or CapEx or service charge? Yeah, well, the thing is that humanity has always increased by having new capabilities where humanity could actually focus on what it does uniquely. So I've just written a quarterly book, which will be out in September, called You Are Not a Computer. (laughs) Great title. Yeah. And I said, you know the famous telephone game that you do with humans. You take 10 humans. So my first chapter is 10 versus 100. Okay, so we take 10 human beings, have a starting message, mm-hmm. and have one person whispered in the ear of another and go through 10 people. And then the 10th person tells the first person what the message is. And in often cases, it bears no resemblance to what was started. Okay, and I said, this is what humans do. And I said, put a message in computer number one, the message is exactly the same with computer number 100 or 1,000 or a million. Yeah. And I said... These are two different types of intelligences. Where humans get into trouble is where they actually try to mimic machinery or technology, and they're really boring, okay? We love technology because it's predictable in its current programming, and we love the humans who are not predictable. And I said, what we're being freed up is to not be predictable, which means to be creative. So I'll give you an example, the AI chess playing programs, Mm -hmm. okay? Clearly, Gary Kasparov was defeated by a chess playing. So you can say, as far as human intelligence in playing chess, the AI program is clearly better. But what happened is they took it up a level, and now it's a master chess player with an AI program. In partnership. Yeah. 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 And I say, that's what humans do. That's what humans do. Yeah. I think your point's an important one to stress, which is the near future, this decade ahead, is going to be about AI-human collaboration. It's going to be you in whatever you do right now, a marketeer, a physician, yeah. you know, an artist, partnering with AI to do your craft in a new, more creative fashion or better, faster, cheaper. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, another example is the most advanced, it's called... G5, Generation 5, jet fighters that everybody's striving for. But the the F-35, the American one, is really super. But they said, you're missing the point here. It's not the plane. It's not the pilot. They operate in groups of six. And there's an AI program that coordinates all the communication, all the coordination. And what the pilots, these are fantastic pilots on their own right. But now the thing is for them to use the AI to coordinate with the other five planes. And then they have the ground crew, they have the satellites and everything. So human skill at its highest level keeps going higher when it's assisted by artificial intelligence. It's riding on top of the tsunami versus being crushed by it in this regard. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, you know... We were talking about inequality on our last show, and I said, well, there's some people who are just geared to noticing how AI can free them up, you know. So you used the word invade. I said it's being welcomed in in many quarters. Mm. It's not an invasion. It's actually a, a welcome guest. I mean, where are you using it? I'm using it in a number of places. I'll give you an example very concretely, you know, I spend my days searching the world for breakthroughs. Mm-hmm. Yep, you're my breakthrough guy. That's my job to find what the breakthroughs are and then contextualize them and then help my Abundance360 
members understand how they could use these technologies across all tech areas. And so I had a team of individuals doing this for me and helping me with getting this information out. And I ended up building a platform called FutureScope that uses AI. And so what happened? FutureScope is a platform that can download my blogs, my books, the way I see the world, and then uses that filter to search the world's information, like hundreds of thousands and millions of articles and journal articles and tweets and so forth, and then pick out the most important articles as I would see them. Yeah. And then generate a summary of them. And then it gives me a feed every day of the top 15 most important breakthroughs. And it's free. People can use it. One is longevityinsider.org. And that looks at the top 15 longevity breakthroughs every day. And the other one is futureloop.com. And it looks at the exponential tech breakthroughs. And so that was extraordinary. And I, I moved the people working on doing that physically into a higher level and, you know, help me write content and organize and so forth. But the AI finds it and summarizes it for me. So that was great. Yeah. I use an AI from OpenAI called GPT-3. So OpenAI and NVIDIA and Google are creating these large language models, hundreds of billions, trillions of parameters where they search the web and they create a model, a statistical model like if the word strategic comes up, there's this probability that it should be followed by the word coach. Mm -hmm. Or if abundance shows up, it should be followed by 360, right? And, yeah. and so these AIs understand the world in statistical models. You can tell it to write a song, a poem, a blog, to create an image. There's a very famous one called Dolly out of OpenAI that you can say, create an image of Dan Sullivan on the moon playing basketball. Mm -hmm. And it will find your image and create a consistent image of you playing basketball. I should actually go and do that. That'd be fun. Mm -hmm. So I'm using these models as brainstorming partners. Yeah. Like I will have a meeting and I'll say, okay, what do we call this product? Let's ask GPT-3. We're creating a product around mindsets and you know the goal of it is to do the following. What would you call it? Give me five suggestions. And it's extraordinary. It comes up with amazing suggestions. Yeah. So it becomes a brainstorming partner in that regard. Yeah, yeah. But I will tell you that you're using AI to augment that your brain, Peter Diamandis' brain, is looking for certain things in the world. And you want to see and hear everything that your brain is looking for, which was uh, manual labor for most of your life. And now you've got a partner who's doing 24-7 searches and the sources of information. And my feeling is that humans have been training themselves for a long time to access this newest capability. You know, And I have one example. So Please. you know Stephen Poulter. He's yep. one of the best IVF doctors in the world. And that's according to the U.S. government because every implant he does has to be registered with the U.S. government. So, you know, it's pretty fair. But he's got three sons who are just remarkably different and talented. But his youngest son is about 12, Sam. And Sam came home from school one day, and he says, Dad, I figured out life. <laughs> and, and Stephen says, you have. And he says, yeah. He says, anything my teacher tells me today, I come home, I check out five YouTube videos, and tomorrow I know more than she does. 
I've got life handled. <laughs> you know, my boys are 11 years old. They just turned 11. And it's incredible. They can find anything and everything. Their exploration is in the gaming world right now. And it's like they're experts on any game they play because they can go into the YouTube verse and find experts teaching them how to play that game at coaching. the highest level. Yeah, it's coaching. Yeah, it's coaching. It's amazing. We did a really great podcast, you know, our last recording session about purpose and passion. Yes, I remember that. Okay, so your use of AI will augment your purpose and passion. It will. It, it becomes an amplifier to enable me. Amplify yes. is a yeah. better word than augment. Yes, Yeah. for sure. Yeah. For sure. To put a bow around this and move to at least one more meta trend during this session, AI is coming. It's coming strong. For any entrepreneur, it's critically important that you're playing with it, or at least your who's are playing with it. And we start to think about AI as a who in your collection of who, not how. I think you're going to have to come up with the next version of the book, which is who, asterisk, not how. And asterisk is going to be including AIs. Yeah. I mean, we've included it in our discussion of this. I mean, not in a formal way, because I would just be happy that they can actually find someone who's better than them so they stop doing the thing they're not very good at. I mean, just on a teamwork basis. But can I tell you my little story? Oh, yes, please do. Please coach? do. Yeah. I was a copywriter with BBDO, big ad agency. And I could tell, you know, this is my first three years. And in year three, I just knew that this wasn't going to be my life purpose. You know, I'm good enough to keep my job, but I wasn't good enough to really excel at this. There just wasn't a passion for me. And what I, I've always had a passion for, and when I finally told my mother what I was doing after I was successful, she says, you were doing that when you were six years old. You were asking adults, when you were my age, what was going on in the world? And I could keep an adult busy for at least two hours, and that was two glasses of milk and three cookies. <laughs> <laughs> and she said, adults would come and say, Dan starts asking questions, and I was just pulling experience out of them. Never interested in being a child, never interested in being a teenager. I wanted to be an adult, so go to the source, find out what adults do. So I've always had this passion of asking people what they know, that in my asking the question, they suddenly discover something about what they know. Because if you're not asked a question about what you know, and you're not thinking about it, you don't know what you actually know. And I've just had a lifetime so in 1973, an article in the New York Times, I must have read it until it fell apart, an uh, author was talking about this new thing called the microchip. Mm. Microchip. Because up until then, it was called integrated circuit or transistors or whatever. But he said, this is the most important invention in the history of the world for two reasons. One, this is an invention that can be applied to all existing inventions and in making them bigger and better but it's also the only invention that you can apply to itself. You can apply microchips to microchips to create better microchips and on and on. That's called exponential, yeah. Was that George Gilder who wrote the article? No, no, it wasn't George Gilder because I had read George Gilder before that. I would have spotted it. Okay. But he said two things are going to happen. One is large, rigid, bureaucratic organizations won't be able to deal with the pace of change. And there's suddenly entrepreneurs are going to become very, very important. Existing entrepreneurs and existing businesses, but all sorts of new industries and new businesses that we can't even imagine right now. 
And I said, I'm going to be a coach to entrepreneurs who have a desire to become more and more powerful without becoming one massive bureaucracies. And the other thing, they'll have the capabilities of large organizations, but they don't have to be that big. And that's how I started my coaching. Amazing. And then I wanted to live a lot longer than <laughs> normal. The second meta trend I want to sneak in here in this session is the global connectivity. It used to be that in human history, you know, your connection, your ability to communicate was the town squire. It was the church bell ringing. And then it was, you know, Pony Express. And then it was a newspaper published once a week or once a day that people would pick up. And then in, you know, World War one, World War Two. it was the radio station, and there was like a radio station in the middle of the town, and if the government captured the radio station, you know, communications were hijacked. And you can talk more to that than I can for sure. And where we are today is we are going towards global gigabit connectivity. What does that mean? It means two primary examples. We have Starlink, SpaceX has been launching Starlink. I have it right above my cottage, by the way. Yes, awesome. I've got one as well. And I bought it as a backup to my fiber yep. connection. Yep. A lot of folks have it where there is no fiber, there is no easy phone line. But Starlink is 2,000 satellites in orbit today. A friend of mine, John Hoffler, runs it. He's an A360 member. I've had him on stage talking about Starlink in the future. And it's heading towards 30,000 satellites. You know, we just saw some amazing information about Starlink in the Ukraine, we can yeah. talk on. And then the other area that's well, going first on First of all, the Russians said, we'll just take out their existing communication system, what they did. Yeah. And Elon just moved the satellites over Ukraine. And sent all the Ukrainian forces, these beautiful, easy to use, easy to install, just set it up, plug it in, and it finds the satellites and gives you, you know, 100 megabit, gigabit connectivity. He's a troublemaker, he is. Uh, yeah, yeah, well, you know. I'm not going to go there. So, <laughs> so Starlink has been amazing, and it's going to become more and more amazing, right? We're going to head towards gigabit speeds and cheaper and cheaper rates, and it's going to be on ships and on airplanes. And, you know, the top of Everest in the Gobi Desert, there will be no place that if you want connectivity, you can't get it. But it's not just connectivity. It's not like, a, like I can get a text out. It's like, you know, gigabit full motion video. Like we are right now. Like we are right now, for free. Yeah. And then the other thing that's going on is 5G. And 5G is, again, 100 times faster than 4G, very low latency. There are expected to be 3 billion 5G users in the next 18 months. And then 6G is coming out, which is 100 times faster than 5G. So the thing that's most important here is that we're turning on connectivity to every human on the planet. You know, it used to be that if you were brilliant, if you had an IQ of 180 and you were born in the wrong place. At the wrong time. At the wrong time, at the wrong skin color or sex, you were screwed. Yep. Now, it's like if you can connect to the world, it's a meritocracy. So I'm amazed by that, the idea of turning on a billion new minds this decade or two billion new minds. First of all, this doesn't get evenly distributed. Nothing gets evenly distributed. Mm -hmm. But the big thing that I think is that you can create a community of like-minded, like-interested people instantaneously in the world. And my feeling is that's what humans do because emotionally we can't handle more than 150 relationships. You know, yes. 
So Dunbar's number, Dunbar's number. Yeah, yeah I have a preference who the 150 are. Mm -hmm. Sure. I hope I'm one of them. Well, you are. <laughs> you are. I mean, we knew that not too yes. long after we met. The moment that, we met, yes. You know, I mean, on a whole number of different topics, you know, and everything else. And in the old days, you couldn't find that person, you know. You know what suffers from this? is large metropolitan cities. Oh, yeah. Okay, because the reason you move to a large metropolitan city before these technological breakthroughs is that you want a critical mass of individuals who are kind of like-minded, okay? And in some areas, this is going to be always true. I mean, scientific communities, still there's hotbeds. I mean, you know, people say, well, this is the new Silicon Valley. I said, there's only one Silicon Valley. There's only one Hollywood. There's only one Broadway. There's a critical mass of talent, and they're emotionally connected to each other. But here, you can create, uh, you know, A360. Well, I'll tell you, our sudden emergence in the virtual world that we have virtual clients, the reason was they were listening to you and me for the last five years on podcasts, and they already had a relationship with us. So when we said we can have a coaching program where you don't have to leave Australia, you don't have to leave Singapore, you don't have to leave Buenos Aires, um, you can just be in the workshop instantaneously. You know, I'm the coach of some of them, and we have our other coaches. Everybody's live. Boom. You know, but I couldn't imagine how we could go 10 times with in-person workshops. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So... You know, I talk about the 60s, one of the underpinnings for the Abundance 360 program, that whatever you digitize enters a period of slow, deceptive growth, the doubling of small numbers, 0 0.01, 0.02, And then it becomes disruptive because you double something 30 times, it's a billion times bigger, and it blows away what was over there. And, and we dematerialize, demonetize, democratize products and services. And so the connectivity, this global connectivity is allowing us to digitize and democratize our products and services so that we can serve people anywhere on the planet far cheaper yeah. and more available. It's a beautiful thing. You know what I've learned? You use the word pervasive. And I said, I'll tell you when it's pervasive, when everybody's bored with it. Mm. Okay, so I was in the workshop the other day and somebody had the latest iPhone. And they're going like this, come on, come on, come on, you know? I said, do you realize what you have in your hand? <laughs> I said, do you realize what you This is more computing power than NASA had with the Apollo mission. Way oh, more. Yeah, orders of magnitude. And I said, yeah. and, you know, the capabilities that this gives you, when each of them was developed and you add them up, it's $3 billion worth of R&D that you have sitting in your hand. And you're saying, come on, come on, come on, you know. <laughs> I'm bored with it. Uh, crazy. You know, yeah, that AI program, sometimes it just ticks me off, you know? I mean, you got to correct mindset with these things. There's a great comedian who's, like, talking about how spoiled we've gotten. Like, you know, you're in an airplane at 42,000 feet, and you're all of a sudden pissed off that you don't have Wi-Fi connectivity. It's like you're flying in the airplane at 42,000 feet. And you're sitting in a lounge chair, and they're serving you drinks, and you're complaining. <laughs> <laughs> you're traveling at 600 miles an hour, and you're complaining. But that humans bore quickly. You know, we're on the lookout for shortcuts, you know. Yeah. You know, one thing I love your thoughts on is 
for an entrepreneur, you think about your marketplace, you know, it might be Toronto, it might be the Northeast, it might be North America. With this global connectivity, we're all of a sudden creating a marketplace of the entire world. And we're also basically on the verge of being able to add a billion new customers that were never customers before. How do you think about that? Well, I've got two mindsets about it. Uh, I grew up in farm country, so I'm a farm boy. And we had a farm that was near us that kept expanding. You know, They had a sign up that's, <laughs> that finally they put up a sign that says, we don't want to own the whole world. We just want all the property next to ours. Mm-hmm. And so my feeling is that you're planning for a billion customers, but does it even work with one? So my feeling is that Everything that I notice that people who grow things for a long time, it's just the next market that they go to. They don't think about taking over the whole world because we don't have knowledge of the whole world. What's the email address for the whole world? We, you know, it's specific. <laughs> One of the things reminds me, there was a Saturday Night Live comedian, Gilda Radner, she died. Yes, I know, yes. And Gilda Radner said, you know, when I was little, I really wanted to be someone And now that I'm older, I realize I should have been more specific. (laughs) And I think Uh, as you get more specific, these, as you call, amplifiers become more available because you can focus the new capability. And I think AI is going to be that way. I mean, your boys, you know, your 11-year-olds, you've trained them to use technology for the best possible reasons. You're giving them guidance, but you're also balancing it off that let them be boys, you know, let them be boys and and let them have a life as a 360 degree experience. And technology is one slice of that, but it's not the whole thing. To close this out, you know, I do think, interestingly enough, combining the first two meta trends, AI and then global gigabit connectivity, is the realization that someone in the middle of Bangladesh or Tanzania will have access to the world's information and access to all of these AI technologies. And so that's a leveling, you know, access to world's information and global communications and AI. It used to be that you had to be at MIT or you had to be at Stanford and you only had access to those tools then. But these are global leveling the playing field around the world, those two meta trends coming together. So I think, you know, people should be thinking about how is that going to impact your business, your marketplace, mm-hmm. your dominance in the decade ahead? Yeah. Too many trends that I've noticed since COVID started. And I really did my best efforts to get people to move over to virtual, you know, mm-hmm. and I use Zoom. So it was the one I knew and, and it was good for us. And people noticed how we used it and they did it. If I do a survey, people who are local are now regional. Mm-hmm. People who are regional are now national. People who are national are now global. Yes. And that's happened in two years just because they could now amplify. And I think the other thing, Steve Crane, you know Steve. Yes, I do. I think he's in the workshop tomorrow with you on the Zoom call. Sure. And Steve has a thing called Startup Health. And he's got 430, last count, 430 startup entrepreneurial healthcare. And he's got moonshots. He's used your moonshot idea. And he's got a diabetes. There's a diabetes moonshot. And then he's got dementia moonshot. 
And one of the interesting things he's got now with Lee Richter, uh, Pet Care interesting. Moonshot. And Lee gave a talk at annual conference, which is usually in the Bay Area. And she asked me, what should I talk about? And I said, the difference between the healthcare system for humans and the healthcare system for pets. And she said, well, what is the difference? And I said, first of all, the healthcare system for pets is a lot better than the healthcare system for humans. <laughs> and I said, and the reason is one of them is motivated by fear and the other one's motivated by love. Amazing, amazing. Yeah, and she gave it and immediately they adopted. And she said, you know, you can learn a lot by watching how the pet care people pay attention. I said, you know, and the reason is that your pet dies within even a long-lived pet only lives 10 to 20 years. You're going to go through this three or four times. So there's a lot more emotion attached to it. But what he noticed was during COVID period, and they couldn't travel for their conferences, he noticed that the people who were furthest away doubled and tripled their contact with him in New York. Hmm. They wanted to be in contact with North America. They wanted to be in contact yep. with America. Interesting. Yeah. Pal, let's close out this episode, and maybe in the next one, we can talk about a meta trend. What's next? Our meta trend <laughs> on a subject that we both love, which is, you know, normally we'll talk about longevity, but I think we talk about it as from a uh, perspective of age reversal. Yeah. And I've got progress and you've got progress personally. Oh, we do. Yeah, we, absolutely. I'm down two years since the trip last year. All right. We'll talk about how you did that and where this uh, meta trend of age reversal and what the implications of that might be. Oh, yeah. All right, man. See you soon. Thanks, Peter. See you, buddy.